0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins.
0: Inside Twins is sponsored by Killabrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Safeco Field in Seattle. Chris Atterbury with you for this edition of Inside Twins brought to you, as you just heard, by Killabrew Root Beer. And joining us from part zone known, he known, he might be in a hollowed out volcano somewhere, is General Manager Thad Levine. How are you, Thad?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: that sounds like a phone that's in a a hollowed-out volcano. So we won't ask because it's that time of year when all sorts of front office folks are crisscrossing the country in anticipation of the draft. But we certainly have a lot to talk about today, and let's kick it off that with a trade that was announced earlier today. I ask you mostly because I want to hear you pronounce the young man's name, but Phil Hughes to the San Diego Padres. You guys trade a compensation pick as well. Uh, Talk a little bit about the deal, uh, how it came together, and what all is involved in this transaction.
1: Well, you know, I think when you're making trades with other clubs, there are different forms of compensation that can be received. And you know, the one we're most familiar with are the player-for-player player type trades. And then inclusive in this trade are a few other wrinkles. There's there's draft pick compensation, which was of great interest to the San Diego Padres. And then there's also some financial relief, which, which proved to be pretty advantageous for us. And so there were a number of moving parts. This is a little bit of a less conventional deal. It's not just simply... Phil Hughes for Giannickson Villa Lobo's. I'm, I'm taking a, a shot in the dark there. Uh, but there are, other, there are other factors involved that I think will pay dividends to both franchises, the draft pick for them and some financial flexibility for us heading into 2019.
0: Now, if you can share uh, how much finance, like how does that work out? How do you guys uh, go about bartering in terms of the financials of a deal like that? Will they then pick up Phil's salary, or will you guys pay it, and then they'll offset it somehow, or how many moving parts are involved?
1: So the the way it works from a mechanical standpoint with Major League Baseball is once you've acquired a player, in this case they've acquired Phil Hughes, they're obligated to make uh, salary payments to them. So we will make payments to San Diego to offset some of his 2018 salary. Additionally, we will make some payments to them to offset some of his 2019 salary. Uh, We were focused on trying to get as much flexibility heading into the 2019 offseason, which I know has been written about uh, greatly, the, the, the strength of the free agent class there. Uh, and so that's where we focused our attention. And in terms of how the price was driven up, uh, in today's day and age, we are one of those teams that values draft picks very highly. That's what made this uh, deal very challenging up for us to embrace. Uh, but we, each team now, is applying a figure that they they feel these draft picks are worth. And we felt in this deal, we we reached an equitable amount uh, that San Diego was to incur. And then the reality was we had a number of teams, when we expressed a willingness and an open-mindedness to trade Phil in the name of getting some financial relief with, with the draft pick, uh, a number of teams stepped forward, expressed interest. And, of course, that's what you love to hear when you're making a trade. We love to have some competition in this case that I think helped boosted the price a little bit.
0: Yeah, and that everybody everybody wins in a way. You get the relief, they get a pick, and Phil also now back near his home in California, big ballpark, National League, and maybe a chance to to continue to pitch a little bit. Now speaking of trades, the Mariners swung one of the bigger early season deals. Now Denard Span not yet here, but May has been been activated, uh, and you always wonder when that first big shot across the bow is going to come. Were you surprised at all of the timing? Of this deal for Seattle is they take a bullpen strength and make it even stronger and add a veteran in arts Span.
1: I really don't. I think you know, we, as you look at the American League moment in time, uh, there's some tiers of competition and the top tier has been pretty well established with with the Yankees, Cleveland, Houston, and Boston. And I think that leaves an, the next band of teams of which the Seattle Mariners are clearly one, and so too are the Minnesota Twins. We're, we're competing uh, for for the fourth and fifth spots and. Right now, some of us still have a chance to compete for the division, and I think Seattle's looking at it and saying, you know, if Houston's the class of their division, they don't want to trail too far behind them, and they really want to take advantage of what has been a really nice start for that club and stay very relevant in the, in the discussion for the, the wild card position. So they had some clear needs, unfortunately for them, due to Cano's suspension and then Gordon's injury, uh, and give Jerry Bapoto a lot of credit. They identified a need, and they filled it as aggressively as they could with, with some nice seasoned veterans.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it times out with Nick Vincent going on the DL as well. Colum A slotting right into that position doesn't hurt either. This is Inside Twins. that Levine is our guest. We'll take our first break. We're back in a moment right here on your home for Twins Baseball.
1: Your flagship home of Minnesota Twins Baseball, A3O-WCCO. You're listening to the Treasure Island
0: Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Good on a sunny day like this one in Seattle. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Pleased to have you with us on a Memorial Day weekend. Twins and Mariners coming up, Barrios versus Leak. Right now, Twins General Manager, Thad Levine, kind enough to give us some time over the holiday weekend and I don't want to spend too much time backed up to the, the triage tent in the rehab unit, but I do want to focus on Irvin Santana. He, he made his rehab debut, started that rehab clock in Chattanooga. Next appearance will be in Fort Myers. That middle finger, I mean, that, that's the anchor of a lot of things you're doing as a pitcher. How did he come out of his first outing, and kind of what are the next steps for Irvin?
1: So it's a great point, Chris. The, the, the middle finger is very instrumental for any pitcher, but, but maybe even more so for a guy like Urban Santana, who relies on his slider so much to be an effective pitch for him. And so we're, we're being very sensitive. We'd rather be cautious on the front end rather than lose him for the long run. And so there's still a little bit of localized swelling in the joint, which is restricting full, full range of motion for him. But the good news is he came out of his outing feeling good, reporting that he felt good and reporting that, that he's feeling a lot of progress. So we're sending him to to Fort Myers. We feel like it's a little bit more of a controlled environment. Uh, we've got Chad Jackson, our whole rehab specialty group down there from a medical standpoint so he can get the utmost care. And then we'll get him right back out to, to potentially double-A AA and triple-A as he continues his ascent back to the big leagues. You know, and you can't underscore enough how much uh, we expect him to help this 2018 version of the Minnesota Twins the starting pitching really has stabilized nicely over the last four to six weeks here, become what we believe to be, it could be, which is a competitive advantage. We're excited at the prospect of adding a guy of his caliber to that group that already is performing at the major league level.
0: Yeah, there's no question. An injection of a, a legit all-star number one starter type from your team a year ago with a fresh arm middle of the year can definitely be a boost. You, you mentioned cautious. I know Joe Mauer took some flips in the cage yesterday, hit off the tee. What do you know about where Joe is? Because right now, as you mentioned, the starting pitching is stabilized, but the offense is in dire need of a, a of a little life.
1: Well, without question, you know we haven't been able to click on all cylinders from an offensive standpoint yet, and. The team that we envisioned contributing throughout the course of the 2018 season, by and large, has not been intact yet. And, and Joe's a huge part of that, as we all know. He's a table setter at the top of the order, and he's a guy who can really slow the game down and work uh, the opposing pitcher. And then we know that he has the ability to beat the best pitchers on in the opposition in the most key points of game. Uh, we're missing that for right now for sure. And I think our view of Joe's injury is just based upon the history he's had with concussion symptoms, We just want to be extremely mindful of that. And so in this regard, as uh, odd as this may seem, we're we're most concerned about what Dr. Maurer has to say about Joe. Uh, Once he gives himself clearance, then I think we'll we'll let our doctors assess the situation. But until he really is uh, symptom-free, we don't anticipate getting him back in the field. The good news is that the reports uh, from both Joe and from our medical staff are, are in concert with one another and both very positive. Uh, we're not going to have him join us on the road trip. We're hopeful that uh, sometime in the, the homestand we could start ramping up baseball activities, and from there uh, we'll, we'll just gauge when we can reactivate him.
0: Now, obviously it's great news that Byron Buxton will be in the lineup today, starting for Paul Molitor and the Twins, but what were your thoughts when you watched him crash into that fence last night?
1: I, I, you know, when you watch Byron, I, you, you feel blessed. I, I, you know, First and foremost, I'm a fan. Second of all, I'm an employee of the Minnesota Twins, but – as a fan, when that ball was up in the air, you're you're almost start pulling your chair a little bit closer to the TV and see what Byron's going to do. And and you know to say he gave 100% in that situation is a gross understatement. What he's able to do on the field is nothing shy of spectacular. The, the crazy thing is, I think we've been attuned to just expecting him him to catch those balls. Ball flies over his glove, and then obviously you have great concern when he's on the warning track and Max is coming over, and you could see. That, that Max was a little bit concerned about his well-being, and that, that's obviously something that you turn your attention to immediately. You kind of forget the fact that the tides turned in the game at that point, and they went up 3-2, and all you're caring about is his well-being. Uh, the great news is that he's going to be able to get back out there. Uh, you know, as you referenced earlier, our offense hasn't necessarily gotten to a point where it's clicking in all cylinders. We all know we're going to be at our best when Byron Buxton's contributing. It was such a blessing to get both he and Sano back in the order. Hate to lose one of those guys. Love to see them build some momentum, complement what the rest of our crew is doing, and start performing at the level we expect this team to perform, which was consistent with what we did the second half of last season.
0: Yeah, hopefully that will get going tonight. They will both be in the lineup. Dad Levine is our guest. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Step aside, back with more in a moment, right here on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Byron Buxton. You're listening to Twins Baseball on News radio 830 WCCO. This Saturday, welcoming you back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. I am peering down at a beautiful Safeco field. The sun is shining. The roof is open here in Seattle. Thad Levine joining us from Parks Unknown. And Thad, we sometimes work with a live studio audience. We had a a big golden lab walk in here with his handler, and she was sniffing for all sorts of illicit substances mid-show mid, mid show today. So we had a live animal studio audience, and I'm glad to report we passed uh, we'll with flying to... colors. So that's a new Excellent
1: one. wouldn't work. A, a test worth passing. Yeah,
0: That's definitely a test that you want to be passing. I want to ask you about something that's become a bit of a topic or a theme around the league, and that is this whole idea of third time through the order. And it reared its head last night. You know, We hear about it with Sergio Romo starting a couple games for the Rays, and they're always tweaking, and they've had to out of necessity a bit this year. Last night, both LeBlanc and Odorizzi, as their numbers foretold, both kind of hit that wall the third time through the order. Is this something certainly you guys have thought about, your analytics crew has thought about, is this something that, when you go back through time, has always occurred, and we're just now paying attention to it, or is it a, very, a new trend? And, and and how are the Twins specifically trying to uh, either get their pitchers a little sharper that third time through, or avoid putting them in that spot?
1: Well, I think it's a great question. You know, I think it's something that we've probably been aware of throughout the the game, but now that now that we've gotten some more diversification and specialization in our bullpen and more willingness to go with seven-man pens, and now really a lot of teams are going with eight-man pens, you have a little bit more latitude to go to that reliever a little bit earlier in the game, and I think we all are attentive to it. I I know that we are one of the many teams that as we're trying to provide insight for for Garvin Alston and and Paul Molitor heading into the game, we compare what we anticipate the performance of our starter to be third time through an order juxtaposed against what our relievers should be And that's kind of a metric we use to to try to gauge early decision-making in games. Now, I think a lot of these games have been close, certainly, for the Minnesota Twins. And as evidenced by the Seattle Mariners' record in these one-run games, they, too, have had to deal with this quite a bit. Ideally, you'd like to walk through that third time through where uh, you put the game a little bit out of reach so you don't have to make those do-or-die decisions. But I think when you're playing close games, which the Minnesota Twins certainly have for the last few weeks, you're very attentive to the strength of the reliever who could come in fresh, relative to the starter who's now seen the hitters maybe two, three, four times at that point in the game. And I think Paul and Garvin have done a great job of making those decisions, making those adjustments, utilizing the information to try to make the best decisions. And I think give our bullpen a lot of credit after a a little bit of a rocky start to the season. Uh, They've really come into form, and we've got a lot of guys out there who prove to be weapons uh, for Paul and Garvin, and I think they've helped really complement the strength of our rotation over the last uh, really four weeks now.
0: You know, the rotation has been the object of a lot of conversation, obviously, in that you've got not only Urban Santana, who we discussed, but also Trevor May working his way back. It's my experience that those things tend to work it, themselves out. I've yet to, to remember an incident where a baseball team just had two darn many quality starting pitchers on, on their roster. Is that something you're confident uh, will work itself out to some extent in the, in the coming weeks?
1: I, I would agree with you. Every, every time in my career I've ever felt like, what are we going to do when these three things happen two to four weeks from now? Usually something uh, something happens in the next three to four days that derail that entirely. So, you know, we're, we're excited to get Irvin Santana back. We're excited the fact that Trevor May is making a lot of progress in his, his rehab assignment. Uh, the realities are right now we've got five starting pitchers at the big league level who are pitching well and pitching well as a unit. Uh, but we're going to need those two guys, and we know we're going to need those two guys. We're not making it through the rest of the season with five starters. We're willing to get creative to try to incorporate the best pitching staff we can. Uh, first thing first, those guys need to get 100% healthy and ready to go. And once they do, they'll, they'll force us to make the decisions that are warranted at that time. But as you mentioned, a lot could happen in between now and then, even though that horizon is getting closer and closer.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad thing that that horizon's getting closer and closer. We're going to take one final break with that, Levine. When we come back, talk a little bit about the draft that's sneaking up on us here a couple of weeks away. This is Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer on your home for Twins Baseball.
1: The radio home for Twins Baseball, 830-WCCO.
0: Inside Twins brought to you by Killeber Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. A reminder after we wrap up with Thad Levine, our pregame lineup card coming up from Seattle. Jeremy Zoll joins to chat about the minor leagues. And we, of course, have baseball to follow, the Twins and the Mariners. Twins trying to salvage one from Safeco. As the calendar flips to, to June, Thad, you start thinking about the draft. I know you guys are getting ready to, to bring everybody into to Target Field and get your room all set up and ready to roll. Uh, when does that all happen? What is the timeline for kind of calling the, uh, the scouts back from the field and getting everybody in a room together?
1: So these guys have been working throughout the country doing regional regional showcases of the best players in each region, and they're going to descend upon Minneapolis tomorrow. We'll start our meetings uh, Tuesday morning. And and one thing that I think is such such an exciting and great time of year, hope springs eternal on opening day. And I think at the draft similarly, and I just would like to say with our group, I think they do an absolutely tremendous job. You've got the benefit of having the wisdom of the last two scouting directors for the Minnesota Twins and Mike Radcliffe and Darren Johnson. Joining Sean Johnson and Tim O'Neill and their group and making decisions and witnessing it last year for first time with the Minnesota Twins, I can say to the fans that our, our future is very bright and in good hands. The decision making of this group of men, uh, very powerful and uh, very collaborative, and, they, and they've done a tremendous job of identifying talent. I'm really excited to see what they what they're able to accomplish here in the upcoming weeks with the draft.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll uh, be hearing from one of them, if not more, next week on this program. Now, before that happens, on June 1st, that's kind of an under-the-radar date. For a lot of veterans who are in the minor leagues right now, that's an opt-out date. Uh, Is that something that you guys are monitoring very carefully uh, to see what type of veteran talent might become available in the next couple days?
1: Yeah, so Brad Style and his group in the pro scouting department are doing that, and they have been doing that. We've been really tracking throughout the course of the year all the outs for the minor league free agents. These are some of the more accomplished minor league free agents, guys who expected to spend some time in the major leagues in 2018. So we we have sent out, we've deployed scouts to to really evaluate this group of people, and we're very attentive to who has outs on June 1st and beyond to see if we think that they could have an impact for our franchise. And, and another thing which kind of marries up with that right now is the fact that with the with the trade of Philly Hughes and unfortunately with losing Jason Castro for the season, we actually have a few roster spots to play with, which allows us to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more flexible, uh, which is not always the case. And I think when you have that in the middle of the season, you want to take advantage of that to try to add talent to your organization. Brad Style and his group have been charged with that task. And, and so they're looking at the waiver wire, they're looking at guys who have outs coming up and all other means of enhancing the depth we have in our system to try to get through the 2018 season and accomplish our goals.
0: You know, we only have a few seconds here, but also I would think you would be a more attractive destination because of those very reasons, that there's opportunity.
1: There's Not only there's opportunity, but I think there's a universal perception that we're in a position where we can contend for mm-hmm. the division and for the wild cards. We have two ways to get into the playoffs, and I think that's not lost on players out in the marketplace.
0: All right, well, good luck. We'll let you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Appreciate your time, Thad, as always. And you work on that pronunciation of Janigan Villalobos. And uh, we'll, we'll test you again in a couple of weeks.
1: Look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, that's that. Levine, Twins General Manager, kind enough to spend some time with us here on Inside Twins. Again, Inside Twins comes at you every Sunday. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. And as we mentioned, next week we will have one of the members of that draft, trust who will join us on Inside Twins, and we'll spend bulk of our time uh, kind of dissecting that process and how they go about things as we look at the upcoming draft for the Minnesota Twins. In the meantime, stay right where you are, wherever you're joining us, because we are uh, just handed the baton over to the pregame lineup card. We'll set you up for a day of baseball at Safeco Field. That'll be the middle leg and then the anchor leg, of course, the game itself, as we'll have the Twins and the Mariners, Jose Barrios and Mike League from a sun-soaked Safeco Field here in Seattle, where it is an absolutely perfect Sunday for baseball Again, our thanks to Killebrew Root Beer for bringing you Inside Twins. And, of course, our thanks to Thad Levine, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins, for joining us as our guest here today on the program. That'll do it for Inside Twins. I'm Chris Atterbury, saying so long, but don't stray. I'll be back with the pregame lineup card shortly. I'll be right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created, And legends are made.
1: This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.